Welcome to the Cinephile Hits the Fifth Podcast, the tirade film movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm William Johnson. We're damn glad to have you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love, but for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're talking about The Last Duel, recommended by Will Johnson. Our format is this. The recommending lover goes first. They get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case. The hater follows with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. After that, we open it up for 15 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. Armor up, scar your face a little bit, drop your Boston R's. Folks, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've i been telling people that are on the fence about this movie, yeah. especially the females that love mm. Adam Driver. Um, I, I'm not telling them the context of this, but I am telling them that um, uh, you do get to see his dong. So, oh, um, that's true. Well, we uh, wait to cut to the end of the movie there. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, well, not a spoiler because I didn't say how, what the context was. I that's mean, true. You good point. Know, so you spoiled it. Uh, oh, well, you know, hey, that's what we're here for, folks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but no, I just, uh, so, I mean, I, I'm trying to get somebody to see this film because, uh, I mean, at this point, uh, it, it's, it's, yeah. Th- here's it my, it came before, and went, you know, before we get into, uh, I'll just make a, sta- a general statement mm-hmm. uh, about this film, and uh, I'm going to talk about this uh, maybe with the Eternals eventually. I haven't seen it yet. I know you have. Uh, by the right. time we've recorded this, uh, I'm going to a press screening for it uh, in a couple of days. So the biggest thing that I have issue with this is that uh, the, the the narrative around movies for the last couple of years has mm-hmm. been what is cinema cinema Mm. what is cinema Mm -hmm. so people seem anyone who has an asshole seems to have an opinion as they say um and or i don't think they say that i just said that but either way (laughs) everyone everyone seems to think that we need cinema you know marvel's taking over theaters and franchises and no original ideas and no no, 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 and then a prolific i would say if we were talking sports hall of famer uh, yeah. director Ridley Scott no puts, doubt about it. puts out not only a piece of cinema mm-hmm. but something that is socially conscious you know so, so and and people go ah, well not that one we're not gonna <laughs> see that one <laughs> right because right. This, this movie bombed I mean this movie bombed yeah. bad and uh, I mean even for pandemic it bombed bad like yeah yeah even and, by pandemic standards and I know it's been playing in a few film festivals like to get that kind of awards prestige buzz out there and it's kind of fading and dying even in those so yeah i i do think and we'll talk about this in the extended section yeah. I, do, I do think it will come away with at least one major um award nomination uh, okay we'll that later, when but, you say the word award and then you thankfully said the word nomination afterwards yes i agree with you this yeah, this yeah. has a, an oscar shot or two so folks yes. if you can't tell will johnson is the lover of this movie and he's going to go first five minutes my friend i got you Yes, absolutely. So, okay, so I think The Last Duel uh, is a phenomenal film. From page to screen, um, there is kind of a novelty to it because it is the first, even though there's a third writer on it, I don't have the name right in front of me. So I'll you can, that. Yeah. You can interrupt me if you wish. But uh, Oh, it's Nicole Hall of Center of the Can You Ever Forgive Me movie from a few years back with uh, 
That's Melissa McCarthy. She's a mumblecore kind of specialist. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but there is a little bit of a novelty to it because this is really, I, I mean, the first time that we've gotten a screenplay from uh, one and done, it seemed, Oscar winners, Oscar winning screenwrites, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And they've they've combined again finally for I don't know how many years it is. I'm not a math teacher. Twenty-four. Um, Exactly. 24 years since they've written something. I know that Matt Damon, I think, dabbled in something with Gus Van Sant and Casey Affleck of like uh, like 20 years ago or 15 yeah, like years ago. Yeah, like or something. Right. Right. But th- to get something from them is kind of cool. It's like, oh, hey, they're making you – know, it's like one of those bands that releases an album every 20 years or a Terrence Malick flick, which I'm sure you'd appreciate. You know, well, we didn't get one for 25 years. But uh, <laughs> anyways, I think it's you. So you have not only that kind of novelty of having these two great screenwriters. I mean, they are great. Good Will Hunting is a great film. Uh, it's written really well. And uh, and then, of course, you got this one. Uh, but I, I also like that it takes a uh, there's a unique take on Rashomon. Rashomon has, mm. you know, was 1950 Akira Kurosawa film has become almost like Shakespeare, a. Uh, a type of storytelling that is just universal and can be repeated without necessarily being considered a ripoff because it's, it's, it's such an effective, simple, elegant narration style that you can make movies about it and it can be effective. Even if you kind of have the idea that, you know, going in when this movie opens and it says part one, this guy's point of view, you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, okay. So I'm going to get a Rashomon thing here. I'm going to see different takes. Um, I think that it takes that Rashomon concept, uh, flips it a little bit on its head, uh, and and what's really incredible is it taps into a lot of the 21st century anxiety we have, despite taking place in 14th century Europe. Um, one thing that Ridley Scott, who you know, I, I, I had mentioned in the intro that I think he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, you know, when you think of like, like we, you and I were talking about the NBA outside of uh, outside the podcast, like there's some players that are hall of famers that maybe, you know, didn't always have the best seasons or didn't always deliver, you know, like they're not like a LeBron or an MJ where they're in the playoffs every year. You know, sometimes they have off seasons and you know, whatever Ridley Scott to me is kind of a up and down director. He's streaky. He's like a shooter. You know, I mean, he'll, he'll direct three films in a row that I'm like, whatever, but then he'll just put out something that is just mesmerizing and beautiful. And I think this is more as our friend of the podcast, Ben Calmer said, this is like top tier Ridley you know, this last duel. Um, one thing that, you know, Pete Ridley's always talked about that always stuck with me is when he made Gladiator, he said that he wasn't trying to make um, Rome look uh, real or uh, legitimate, not legitimate, um, accurate to the time period. He wanted to have, like when you go to a museum and see a, a, a impressionist painting of Rome, and I think he does that beautifully in Gladiator because Gladiator does kind of have a heightened fantasy element to it, even though it's not a fantasy film because it looks like a painting. And I think this this film, The Last Duel, even just from a technical standpoint, is one of the most beautiful things he's done because you could screenshot this uh, all, all the time and you you feel like you're looking at shots that were painted on canvas during that time period. So from a physical standpoint or from a... Um, Technical standpoint, I think it's brilliant. Um, but I think everybody really, I mean, this is the benefit of having someone like Ridley Scott who can get anyone he wants. I, I think that like Martin Scorsese with Leo and Robert De Niro, you know, uh, Ridley had his, uh, you know, Russell Crowe period. He's had, uh, you know, various periods with different actors. And I think by being able to be like, okay, I'm going to get Matt Damon. I'm going to get Ben Affleck. I'm going to get Adam Driver. I'm going to get up and comer Jody Comer. You know, it's like, 
uh, Comer. It's mm-hmm. the benefits of that is you get great acting, and I, I think a lot of people forget how great. I mean, no one questions Adam Driver, but I don't think I, I think that uh, no one questions how great Matt, or people question how great Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are, and they really are good. And uh, I'll get into more of that soon. But running out of time. But anyway, the last tool, I love it. It's great. Look at you, 15 seconds early. Not bad. No, I just, uh, yeah, if I had a dime for every time I had that complaint. Uh, but uh, no, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I just got so caught up in it, I couldn't I couldn't go in. But we'll go into more of that later. But uh, yeah, yes, I think so. I, yeah, go ahead. What's no, your take? My take, um, here, let me kind of start that timer again, just to be honest and true to the show. No, I'm more middle. Um, I see what you see completely. I see the collection of talent, and uh, I'm intrigued by what they put together. I see the the writers and and what they can do in terms of taking this novel and and stretching it into the three tiered chapters they've got here and production value. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, this movie looks a fantastic part. You know, uh, Arthur Max is a longtime production designer partner of Ridley Scott. Uh, He's a three time Oscar nominee. And yeah, the whatever period locations they found and the sets they kind of melded into whether whatever it was old ruins or stuff they built and to set it during you know the ugliness of winter where cinematographer darius wolski who's been a, a you know also a really scott collaborator is it's just outstanding because i mean eh, man every flake of snow and spray of blood that textures this whole grime of a place you're right it's not made to make this period look sunny and pretty it's made to look likely as as striking as it was and should have been you know, even when you're kind of doing those somewhat flyovers of Paris with a with a you know cathedral of Notre Dame trying to be in, under construction or the one tall thing in town, and even then you kind of know it's a CGI background that would normally be a matte painting in a movie fifty years ago. It still is smudged enough to kind of match everything else that's in front of it. And so, yeah, no, I'm with you. Looks wise. And production value-wise, top-notch. This is top-notch Whitley. This is not streaky Ridley where it's kind of half-assed this or half-assed that or or it's really good for one thing, but then he bombs something else. The hard part for me was, and I can't believe I'm taking this side because I'm normally not this side. And I, I think about our La La Land episode where, you, you know, the... You know, you had that hitch about things being about jazz and the, and the, and the tokenism of the, you know, thieving culture and all that. It's hard to watch this movie in the whole social and cultural zeitgeist that is me too. And I believe them where we as conscious as this movie is, it's difficult when we have a society, when we have a, I don't know, when we have a landscape where you, you really can't beat around the bush anymore about shrugging misdirection when it comes to sexual assault narratives, where it's for the, you know, we were spoiling enough things in this movie, but the, for the first two chapters of this movie to be the, you know, the points of view of the two dueling men and the competing agendas that they have and to the nice part about that is, you know, it, in a way it does lull you into what is the truth and makes you question between the two guys, but, and it allows Jodie Comer to hit that third act home run where she just comes in and takes over the movie because after all the, the questioning you have of the two men's stories, she comes in and just blasts you with the truth. The hard part about that is, and I, I, I've not read the book where I don't know if the book is structured in this same three sectioned way, but if her story is the one that needs to matter and should matter, you can build all the guessing with the boys along the way where we don't have to save her stuff for the last 45 minutes. And she, you can tell 
a two-hour movie of just her story and still cast all the doubt in the world, still give all the great performance sections to the men that are next to her and make this her movie. And I know that's me pushing back against the director's intent and, you know, me playing picadillas and preferences when normally I'm not that kind of guy. But this is a movie where, yeah, it's it's hard to balance the patience of seeking innocence over guilt and accusations and all that. And then the rug pull comes with her truth at the end. And don't get me wrong. It all builds up to a fantastic titular last duel, which you know, pushes it all in its place. And, and obviously the stakes that are, that are added to what ha- will happen to her in this narrative, make it really something. And Jody, takes, you know, like I said, hits the ball in the ballpark, but I admit, I, Ah, it, it, it's it could be a slog, you know, waiting around for just men kind of, you know, tooting their horn and ruffling their feathers until you get to her. And because her story matters the most, I, I just wanted more of her. If that's a personal preference versus what I what's on the screen, I get that. But and and like I said, nothing against Adam Driver and Matt Damon. I, you know, they are fantastic actors. I don't doubt those guys in anything they ever touched. Matt Damon's track record has proved himself in a thousand ways. Ben Affleck feels like he's from a different movie. Uh, he's a fun part, and you need a little bit of a uh, little bit of sizzle in this thing just to kind of stir the drink and get things going. But it's ah, I just wanted more of her story, and not the last forty-five minutes. Once you get to the end, you're there, and I'm invested. But I could have did without the first hour. I really could have. Or tighten that up or cast it or shuffle it in a different way. Maybe it's not something that dies in the vine. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And we'll open this up for sure. Here, let me get the, the midway read while we're at it here. So, folks, please enjoy a short announcement from Ruminations Radio Network. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. All right, everyone, we're back. Uh, let's open up the 15 minutes. Like I said, I'm, I can't say I'm a hater, but I... But I I just can't pile on as much. I, I'll pile on the same praise in the production part and the acting part, but I, I get lost in the narrative a little. How are you with that three chapter piece there? So here is where I, I mean, I kind of agree with you. Like when I, when I saw chapter one or part one or whatever, and it said, this is going to be Matt Damon's story first. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. I don't, the names are so similar uh, that I, <laughs> I, 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 can't, I didn't want to say them. So we'll say, do you Matt want me, you want me to try to read them? Jean yeah. de Carouge and Jacques Legree. Yeah. There are some tough ones in there. Yeah. So this is where, so yeah, I was, when the first part happened, I, w- I found myself buying into Matt Damon and I was like, Ooh, I, I, I believe Matt Damon. He's convincing me. And then I realized, mm-hmm. Oh wait, there's going to be a switch here. What I really liked about it. And we're going to get into the spoilers here mm-hmm. is that, Adam Driver's portion, which is part two, yeah, ma- makes no attempt to show him as innocent. I agree. I tip my hat at that too. And I, I really love that because what happens is, is it changes the dynamic of the story. Instead of it being like if this story was told 50 years ago, I think it would have given the men maybe a little bit of sh- shadow of a doubt that maybe they're mm-hmm. innocent. You know? Yeah. What I what I like about this one is is it's not putting into question if she was raped, because that gets answered pretty much Ooh, right yeah. away. Yeah, it does. Um, 
it, it, what, what I like about it is it talks about that they do it through imagery and then they do it through Adam Driver's portion. I'll get to the imagery in a second, but mm-hmm. with Adam Driver's portion, they uh, it's almost like talking about the Weinstein stuff and saying like, well, it is, you know, I'm a man and I have this power and therefore what I did was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's almost an obliviousness to uh, the harm that's being caused. And, and I like that because instead of it trying to be like uh, marriage story, another Adam driver movie where it's like, Hey, both sides kind of have their, their points. Yeah. You know, this, this one is v- making very clear that men fucking suck and mm-hmm. uh, women, you know, so I really like that twist to the story. Now, what I will agree with you on is that, you know, it is, there are some expected things like when I realized they were going to do the Rashman concept and you've got Matt Damon being this, badass, you know, mm-hmm. night warrior. I was like, well, just wait till the Adam driver portion and Adam driver will be saving him. And he's a bumbling idiot and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, so, so that stuff was expected yeah. and a little disappointing, but that twist was enough to hold me because I was anxious to see like, what, how are they going to tell the Jody Comer portions now? Mm-hmm. Because they've already admitted that Adam driver did it, you know? So mm-hmm. um, the, the only thing, and, and uh, my last thing to say about it real quick is the only thing, that disappointed me a little bit um, in terms of the way they delivered the story. Uh, there was two things. One is when they say part three uh, it, and it says, you know, the truth, according to whatever her name was, mm-hmm. um, it, it holds on the truth. Oh yeah. So it's, it's kind of giving you, it's instead of letting the movie speak for itself, it's giving you that. Yeah. Um, but also if this movie was to be truly, I mean, I know it's based on history. So, I mean, this really yeah. happened, but if it was to be a truly biting commentary on the centuries and centuries and centuries of mistreatment of women, Adam Driver would survive and Matt Damon would die. <laughs> so I know, you know, but yeah. uh, the, I mean, that didn't happen in real life, so you can't twist that. But that's uh, that would have been to me like the mm-hmm. you know the, the the final you know horror of the story is being like, oh yeah, not only did not only did he do it, but he got away with it, right, and. I guess we can count. I was looking at, I I had to look back here for a second and look at the source material where uh, this book is from 2004. So long before any me too, or Mm -hmm. I believe them, you know, narrative was there. We're like, Hey, I'm going to take this old story of French duel and I'm going to make this book that layers and things that we've known for a long time and make it about today. Like, I I don't think the author was going there in that kind of way. I think the author found obviously a historical note and definitely applies you got to think there's some dramatic license and so proper insertions here because like when you look up the Wikipedia or even kind of the, the full text of what this particular duel and case was, it's like two paragraphs. So, you know, Eric Jager, the novel writer has to make a, a big fat novel out of, you know, the, these two men, previous relationship is this charges were this outcome was this, what could have happened in between. And obviously that's where an author starts to weave a little bit of this and weave a little bit of that. And that might then be, more of your 90s and 2000s sensibility now obviously not the me too sensibility where it's a tricky thing and but i like i said i don't know if this book does the three-tiered thing and splits up the truth the way they do if that's something ridley and the screenwriters went for that's a bold thing i'll tip my hat um nicole hall of center i i gotta think was a necessary component in that writer's room because if you if it's just ridley and matt and ben trying to do this story it's going to get pointed more fingers than it is now about being a boys club kind of thing mm-hmm. especially with matt david not being the most 
you know, he's had his, I don't want to say flubs in PR standpoints, but you mm. know, he's, he's got his blunter Boston personality of, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's a liberal northerner, you know, and just like Ben is, and Ben's an outspoken political guy, you know, Bernie Sanders backer kind of person where, but they still, both guys have, yeah, if, if, if it's three men trying to tell this story, somebody else is going to stand here and go, how dare they? So here comes Nicole coming in, who's a, a very good screenwriter and filmmaker herself coming in and giving this story a polish. And I have to think of the meat of that third chapter to make this a lot better. She wrote, she wrote the, what I read, she wrote the, the Jody Comer section. Good. So good. it was, it was Ben and Matt doing the, the mm-hmm. men section yeah. and then her doing the female perspective, which I think is not only appropriate, but kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of necessary because, you know, um, mm-hmm. women have a very, you know, obviously a very unique take oh, yeah. on, you know, rape stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a good move. Yeah. The other problematic thing I've heard from, from folks who push back against this movie is obviously the repetition. Like, do we have to watch that thing two and a half times? You know, the, the, oh, the yeah, rape. Yeah, yeah. and that's, mm-hmm. that's a button pushing thing for a lot of people nowadays where that's a trigger that no one wants to watch. Like what joy can we get out of, or what entertainment value can we get out of watching that two and a half times? Even right, if right. come up and ship comes with the big last duel, men fighting for themselves and their reputations more than keeping this woman alive. Is, well, is, is there enough there? And I think that, the peril, yeah. and that's the cool part about the history is that the peril was there. Like she was going to be burned at the stake if, if her man loses, you know, right. where, you know, that's the, the antiquated notions that pop into this movie is, you know, God will will who will win. And even if, and if that's not the person you need to win, then it's all your fault and you die. Like it, the, the stakes right. were huge. I think all those things pile on again, too late like like i said her third chapter is just whew, that's where the punch is and i i was i was yeah those first two of hero worship a little bit lagged for me no i, I and i what i liked about the third one is there's there's a one particular scene that really hit me um mm-hmm. that i really liked and that was um when she confides in the rape to matt damon he gets mad and says will this dude not keep fucking with me, like, like yeah. doing evil things to me. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about that is at that point, th- the drama is no longer like, it's no longer just like, who's going to win this duel? Will she live? Yeah. It's like, you have to kind of pick a side where you're like, I don't like either of these dudes, but I have yeah. to like, but like, I have to root for Matt Damon. So Jody Comer lives, but he's I kind know. of a dick too. Like, I like that they do that. Um, I think a lesser screenplay would have it be a little bit more like you feel a little bad for Adam Driver. You feel a little mm-hmm. bad for Matt Damon. You feel a yeah, little I bad agree. for Jody Comer. This I, one, I'm with you. Forty it, years ago, you play you play the sympathy card and you and you coin toss it at the end. Yeah, right. And this one makes you go like, man, I don't care if either of these guys like, can they both lose and she can live? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I like that. I, I will say, and I, I don't say this as a joke, but. Okay. Uh, I was talking about imagery earlier. So when we say there's two and a half rape scenes, there's actually three rape mm-hmm. scenes. And one of them is, this is where I think people might be like, it's a little heavy handed. There is a scene, I believe it's in the Matt Damon portion 
where he's talking about his prized stallion. Oh, and yes. Then, and then this, <laughs> this gigantic fucking horse comes yes. in and just starts fucking it and like yeah. crazy. And he's like, how dare you touch my pristine uh-huh. horse? And and I was just like, yeah, full, oh. full, horse, full horse long too, man. They're, they were not hiding that, not yeah. hiding that a bit. So yeah, yeah you're, you're right. If you're into that like Don is, you're, then that's that's your movie. Well, remember but, our promo sausages in my mouth. Yeah, you know? that's that's right. Hey. But uh, so there is a little bit. There's no doubt a little heavy handedness. But however, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm ever getting like, oh, look at these allies that Affleck and Scott and Damon are. Like they're just they're the right. white knights. I was never feeling that way. A because they have a female's voice in the production. Mm-hmm. But two, but two, like I think it's a genuine. I was telling a friend of mine who I hope we have on the show someday, Barbara. She's a, a, a an editor at uh, and a writer at USA Today. Ooh, um, shout out to Barbara. Yeah, she, um, you know, she doesn't like Ridley Scott that much, and so I talked to her a lot. And I said, "Hey, did you see Last Duel? I'd like to know what you think because you're not really a Ridley Scott person." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Well, I, I mean." I would like to see it, but I'm trying to get the nerve up to watch a two and a half hour rape film. And I said, mm-hmm. yes, I agree with you. That is unpleasant. And especially because you're a woman, I'm sure that's even more unpleasant. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I felt like this story in this day and age needs to be told, which pisses yeah. me off even more because you and I, we're not woke people. We no. don't believe in like the cancel culture and the woke stuff. <laughs> no, but, yeah. but, I mean, this movie checks all the boxes of everything everybody's been whining about. Right. Like it, it has, it, this, it, it, it looks beautiful. Right. It's, it's quote unquote a real, I'm using fingers, real film. And it has a message that, that is, yeah, sometimes heavy handed, but necessary. Like I agree. how would this fail? I don't get it. I, I'm surprised this wasn't a movie that somebody somewhere picked up and like you said, started shaking a flag for it to be like, Hey, Look how good of a solid story this is, and look at the parallels it makes, and the argument it makes, and the 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 spotlight it puts on these things, and these these issues that were then, you know, six hundred years ago are now what they are now. And I'm with you. I'm surprised this hasn't been picked up stronger by different things, you know, especially like you said, that woke culture that wants to go with that. I, I'm yeah. I, I I don't know what. Whose ass they have to kiss on MSNBC, or you know, just do you need Rachel Maddow to watch this movie to be like, hey guys, they get it right? But I mean, but I wonder if there's that much. I wonder if there's that much anti-male pushback where mm. this is Ridley Scott who's made you know glorified horror movies and war movies, and you know he's a, he's a he's a I don't want to say he's a bro, but he's not that bad of a bro. Matt Damon again kind of has his issues in there here and there, and. Ben's had his failings over the years and it's coming through alcoholism. And at, you know, I think, but it, then, but here in the middle, then you have a great performance from Adam driver, who's universally loved. And I'm surprised that's not enough. And you give Jodie Comer great screen time. I have to admit one thing that had me going was I did not know who was going to win. I did not look up the history before this movie. So I think yeah. the movie just because of the, the duality of, of how, how you don't really like it, either guy, but you need, you, you're kind of rooting for one to win by default. You, you're still moments in that last duel where you, you don't know who's going to come on on top. And that's right. I, you know, that suspense was fantastically done from Ridley. I, I got to tip my hat there. Well, we're going to 
uh, I want to end it because I, I know that we're we're trying to cut our episodes down because we don't want to bore you guys. This is a perfect <laughs> um, this is a perfect uh, drive to work podcast. But yeah. real quick, I want to talk about the acting a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the real, uh, so two things. The first one is the thing that I said is going to get award nominations regardless okay. of how the film performed is Jodie Comer. I think she will get I, I an have Oscar nomination. Too. Me too. Um, totally agree. She's great. Um, one thing I've seen criticized a lot is the acting of Damon and Affleck. Now, Affleck, like, I, I agree with your point that it seems like he's in another movie. It didn't bother me because I no. think that, uh, like, he's I didn't bother guy. me at all. I was like, fine, that's cool. And he's funny, and he's um, he's he's the kind of character that this story needs. Um, you yeah. Know. But uh, the one thing I will say is I, I was also, people are talking about Damon, right? Mm-hmm. I remember when I was watching his part, I was getting a little nervous because everybody is very like speaking almost like it's a Shakespeare in the park. They're like, hello, my liege, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Ooh, this was a bad choice, Matt Damon. (laughs) But then I, but then I realized when the Adam driver portion started, I realized that, and this goes to the theme of the story about how men are full of themselves. Matt Damon believes he is someone like that. He is yeah. this grand knight who, of course, has loyalty and honor, and I will do whatever it is for my lady and for the liege. Mm-hmm. So the fact that like he goes from that, and then the second part, he's kind of a bumbling idiot who's like rage filled, mm-hmm. you know. And then the third one, he's kind of in between. I really, I really dug that, and I think that in this TikTok culture where people have attention spans of like eight to fifteen seconds, yeah. If you don't give that performance the time to breathe, right? Yeah, it looks a little bad, but it's in the context of how the story is being told. You're getting his perspective, right. of what he thinks of himself. So I actually think it's a fantastic performance by Matt. I, it's I I'll take it as one of his better, and I think it's aided by a movie that isn't trying to push accents and you know super um accuracy to that whole period like i'm sure you can find <laughs> you can find three french actors to probably make this really really good movie and yeah. and jodie comer is british enough where she can just play that european sensibility yeah. and, and there's and, quite a few and, anachronisms too in it which oh, i yeah. found hilarious like uh if women enjoy being raped they can't get pregnant that's science yeah. you know and i was like or, no one said that's science right. in 14th century france or uh, <laughs> Was the F word even invented yet for Ben Affleck to drop all the times he he does in, in his swindler kind of way? It's Nick but, yeah, and Matt Damon at one point says he's broke, which I was like, I don't yeah. know if uh, that's the thing yet. That's a thing yet. Yeah. <laughs> so the, you're right. The colloquialism is is weird there, and but no, um, you're right. Attention span wise, you got to get through Damon's portion to get to Driver's portion in order for his performance to shine as different from what it is. Cause yeah, if you just watch the first 25 minutes, they're like, Oh boy, he, this is, this is total hero worship time for Matt Damon. Let's let, let, let him look, look as good as he can. And then you realize, Oh wait, that's the point. And then we're going to make Adam and driver right. somewhat look as maybe not, like you said, not make him no, no suspicion there. Like make him, make him look good as a villain and go from that part. So no, I'm with you. Jody Comer deserves to be in the conversation and deserves to be nominated. I would gladly, put production design up here for this. I would gladly sure. put costumes up for this. Uh, I hope it has some Oscar nomination chances, but you're right. It, man, it's fading, fading faster than it deserves to. And I'm, I'm right there with you. If, if there was ever a movie you wanted to kind of put, you know, some pitchforks and torches for in a, in a good way of like, Hey, look at this film, push back and say something where no, most movies don't here you go. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. It's being, it's given to you on a silver platter from a hall of famer. And people are dismissing it like it's old underwear. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. 
Oh, it's a good one. I think we yeah. uh, good timing on that one. So yeah, we did uh, good. You, you want me to send us out? Yeah, sure. All right. So everybody, please follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fits Podcast. Also find us both on Letterboxd. We appreciate your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fits is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by Ruminations, RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. Hey, we are also on Rotten Tomatoes, people. So uh, if you enjoyed this show, we have more where that came from. Uh, with interesting hosts and wonderful guests, I'm going to track back to the Rotten Tomatoes thing. Um, so if you fundamentally understand how Rotten Tomatoes works, <laughs> don't blame us for something getting a rating you don't like because it has nothing to do with Rotten Tomatoes. If you don't know how Rotten Tomatoes work, don't don't bother. Just just go away. Right. Okay. Right. Go away. All all of this stuff for Cinephile Fits, all available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows.